Joss, the man they called Joss. He rode about spaceships and shepherds and whores, stood up to the networks and gave them a four. But canceled his program, but that was their loss. The creator of Firefly, the man they call Joss. So hey, Rissa, how's it going? Pretty good, how are you? Oh, hey, wait, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I gotta turn off... I forgot I always turn off some of the noise-making things in my room. Let me just switch those off. Okay. Sorry. I just The <laughs> AC just kicked on, and it was like, oh, dang it. <laughs> right as we started, the AC was like, Rrr! and I was like, no, please, no. I mean, I don't believe in producing a quality sound experience for our listeners, so, you know, you get what you get. <laughs> as I say here, as I sit here in my very echoey living room with the windows open. Mm. I mean, I'm yeah. in my pretty echoey bedroom. It would just be cool if I could eliminate the sound of my rattling vent. It <laughs> yeah, that's fair. A good bit. So I have a fun story for you. Oh, I'm excited. I have drank approximately a gallon worth of lemonade today. Oh my God. Why? Because I got home from work and it was quite nice outside and I was like, you know what? I want to make some lemonade. And I bought some lemons earlier. So I like Caitlin. was squeezing them and like having a great old time. My hands smell amazing right now. Like... <laughs> Mmm, I smell like pledge. And then... Caitlin, what did you do? Well, well, as I was squeezing uh, the lemons, at one point I squeezed one directly into my eyes. Caitlin! <laughs> just like, I was just squeezing it and then it was like, psh, all over my face and on my shirt. And I was like... Oh my God. And luckily it didn't actually get in my eyes, it just got all over my face. So that's fun. <laughs> so I had a lovely glass of lemonade. And then my wonderful roommate Natalie came home and she brought me lemonade from work. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Which I am drinking right now, and because she gets the work drinks for free, I have a oh corporate branded large, and it's delicious. That's amazing. So I've had a lot, a lot of sugar, so I'm feeling really, really good. I have had zero lemonade, bad, and very little sugar. Not zero, I, I will say, but I have this new thing where I just drink flavored seltzer water all the friggin' time. Love, like La, like La Croix, like off-brand La Croix. La Croix. It's like Kroger brand. Kroger. La Croix. It's cranberry lime flavored. It's really good. Uh, I don't believe that. It is. That's false. It that took is me a communist bit to... propaganda. <laughs> it took me a bit to acquire the taste, but I, ha- I, I, you know this. I strongly believe that all drinks are acquired tastes. Every single one of them. Uh, and it doesn't take very long to acquire the taste for a drink. Um, and because of my mother attempting to cut back on artificial sweeteners in our house, I now drink mm. lots of seltzer water. It's good. I just would rather drink water. I would rather drink anything but seltzer water. Eh. Like I, I said, would... you get used to it pretty quick. Even mm. before I left Britain, I started liking uh, sparkling water a little bit more. Who are you? And I know that sparkling water and seltzer water aren't really the same thing, but... Though I suppose you were the lady who used to mix up drinks in the calf. Do you remember that one you used to make I was with, gonna like, say, orange yeah. juice and... Oh, yeah. So I would make this drink and... Okay, this is the process. You have to put ice in first. It doesn't work unless you put ice in first. And then you oh, put, like, a small amount of orange juice, um, like an eighth of the glass full of orange juice, and then you fill almost the rest of it up with soda water... And then you put, like, a shot of pink lemonade on the top. It looked beautiful. It looked like you made tequila sunrises, It, it looks exactly like a sunrise, a tequila sunrise, except there's no tequila and there's mostly soda water. Uh, the other thing it would do, because soda water um, can be basic and orange so juice is obviously basic. acidic, it will froth up a decent head on top. Um, so it, it looks amazing. And I would just bring this frothy drink back 
to the table and it was like this perfect gradient of yellow to pink and everyone would be like what is that <laughs> uh and then i told them and every single time the reaction was we have a soda water tub because i was apparently the only person in the whole college who knew where to get soda water from the cafeteria yeah yeah you are because soda water nasty Soda water nasty. That is my official political stance. I don't like just blank soda water. You got to have some little flavor in. But this one is cranberry lime flavored and it's really good. It turns Mm. out I just really like lime flavored things. You said you got lemons Mm. all over and your hands smell good. The other day I made this like spicy beef and it involved squeezing two lemons and my hands smelled amazing. Mm. Lemons just. I sorry, not lemons. Like, sorry, limes. I was squeezing mm. two limes. Limes are in the same family. They smell good too. I think limes smell better than lemons. I love limes. I think limes taste better than lemons, but I think lemons smell better than limes. Hmm. Well, it's anyway, like we're two characters with opposing viewpoints. Anyway, <laughs> um, maybe we should talk about today's episode and also introduce our show. Welcome to Weedin' from the Chaff. <laughs> we talk in depth about drinks. Yeah, we have very strong opinions about beverages. Soft drinks, uh, hard drinks, liquors, beers, wines, and also puddle water. Don't oh, drink that. oh. <laughs> um, but also, what else do we do here, Rissa? Uh, you usually do the complicated bit. I just say that it's definitely not a, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. That works. That's fine. <laughs> Should we add like also like our names into the intro? I think that would help. I think that would be good. You know, I mean, brick by brick, we will build this podcast house together. Mm. Um, I'm Caitlin. I'm Rissa. And welcome to Weedin' from the Chaff again. Be doubly welcome. Where we talk about Buffy. Yeah, and other Joss Whedon products. Except when we don't. When we talk about drinks. Yes. Yeah, we always <laughs> seem to open with, like, food chatter. I don't know. Well, it's funny because I don't... I When we started this, it was a thing that we would actually both have drinks while we did it. Um... But I don't, I haven't done that a lot. If I drink alcohol before I go to sleep, I wake up the next morning super duper dehydrated. Like, no matter how little I drink. I'm not talking hungover, just yeah, dry just throat. just got the thirst. And with my allergies the way they are, with my allergies, I do not need anything helping out my dry throat. So. Yeah, no, definitely not. Um, so today we watched two episodes as we do normally. And we, we watched watch... the same two episodes as each other this time. Yes, we definitely did. We watched season two, episode seven, Lie to Me, and -hmm. season two, episode eight, The Dark Age. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, The Dark Age, I say with confidence. I say, before we jump into either of these, I've really loved both of these episodes. Like, this may be the first time that I loved both of the episodes we watched, and honestly, might be some of my favorite episodes we've watched so far, just period. Yeah, they're both really good, like good character development and then like super solid like moral questions Mm -hmm. and yeah quality quality deliverance by the buffy really solid snap snaps for them (laughs) i wish i could frat snap i went through four years of college never learned how to frat snap (laughs) this is why my parents aren't proud of me anyway um Mm, do you want to tell us about the first episode rissa yeah, okay. Lie to me. Um, Lie to me uh, is a fun one because Spike is in it and everything Spike is in is fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Lie to me has a couple different storylines going on. The first thing that happens is Buffy oversees a meeting between uh, Angel and Drusilla. And we the Watchers know that Angel is protecting a child from Drusilla and telling Drusilla that she and Spike need to leave town because things will break bad if they don't. Uh, but but Buffy doesn't know this, and she's like, oh no, Angel is seeing another woman, this is bad. 
but the main plot comes when this guy named Ford shows up, and Ford went to Buffy's old school, so they are fast friends, much to Chandler's, uh, Chandler, I keep calling him Chandler, Xander's <laughs> Xander. chagrin. Xander, yeah. that's our other podcast. Obviously Xander doesn't Friends like... at the table, yeah. that's us, <laughs> yeah. friends at the table is us. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, Xander doesn't like this because Xander hates all other male characters who are anything like close to Buffy. Okay, wait, wait. Because uh, Xander is a little unsecu- insecure. Can we pa- wait? Pause here for one second. That that what you just said there about Xander hating every other male character. Mm-hmm. Xander is the girl on this team. Oh yes. Like how? Do, I don't like because like the girl on the team always hates every single other girl. Why mm-hmm. is this? This feels like a revelation to me, but I think it's really obvious. Anyway, continue. I'm sorry. No, you're right, though. (laughs) I think they just... Here's the thing, and this... Okay, let me... I'll get back to the episode in a second. I've had this thing for a while where uh, people who write women, like, their female characters in positions of power, in which there are male characters who are not in positions of power over them, do not Mm -hmm. know how to put these male characters in relation to them at all. Uh, yeah. And this is the... Re- okay, I'm going to talk about a completely different show real fast, but it's a really good example. Um, you've seen The Legend of Korra. Yeah. Uh, well, the first two books. Oh. Around the time that everybody became airbenders, I was like... Oh. Okay, you know who you know who Korra ends up with. Yes. It's a song. Yes, I'm on Tumblr. Yes, of yeah, course okay. I know. <laughs> and I'm not bashing that whatsoever. Love it. Perfect. Great job. But... They have never shown a female avatar in a relationship with a male other character because they do not know how to write females in power in relationships with males that are not more powerful than them Mm. and i think this is a thing i'm not just hating on the avatar team i love them i'm seriously one of the best show not cora and avatar are just perfect but in general i think this is a problem in media uh that people just don't know how to write powerful women win relationship to men who are not more powerful than them. And I think mm-hmm. in this case, they just don't know how to re- to write Xander in any way except making him, as you say, the girl of the team. Like, they can't yeah. write Buffy as a powerful woman without switching all of the gender roles of all of the other mm-hmm. subordinate characters. Yeah. I will say, I- yeah. I've watched a lot of television in my time. Mm-hmm. Probably too much. I think, of my knowledge, as I'm thinking right now, there's only one couple that stands out to me of a powerful female character with a male partner who mm-hmm. is less powerful than her yeah. and that is the best tv couple of all time oh. leslie nope and ben wyatt Fight oh me. you right you right mm-hmm. okay that's a really good example yeah and what's really funny they're like they're like one of the few yeah one no the- but what's really funny is that this is actually one of the things in tv that leads to the most um canon lesbian couples <laughs> which i'm not hating on like yeah no that's great i am not saying we need less of those we do not need less of those um uh, but we it's funny that i we think a lot them of them are a result of this yeah but um, it's just easier to put her with another girl than it is to figure out how the dude fits in. Well, and it's weird because it crosses this line of like, are you treating her like a man by putting her with mm-hmm. another woman and making her is? Do you see her as she is powerful, therefore she takes the masculine place in a relationship? Because that is not how we want to identify this no. relationship. And I'm not saying we should read it that way, but I think it, it gets really close to a line there uh, whenever you do that of like, how are we treating this 
the 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 reason behind us writing these two as a couple should not be that we think of one as the masculine. That's not yeah. that's not how those relationships were. Anyway, we're so off topic. I'm sorry. Yeah, we are this very very off topic. Something anyway. I've noticed in media that's really interesting, and I think it's one of it. Kind of this whole complex is one of the reasons that it's hard to write Xander is because I think Buffy is just another show with all the roles gender swapped except Giles. Yeah, Giles is still who he would have been if Buffy was a dude. Because usually there's a really, there's like a tech, the the tech person, which is Willow, is Mm -hmm. not always a guy, but often a guy. Because, because, okay, generally, let's just agree, generally the group is all men except that one girl who's there to be the female character. Yup. And in this case, that's that's Xander. He is the Daphne of this crew. So generally the tech role becomes male just because everyone is assumed male except the one female character. So yeah, anyway, let's, let's get back to the episode. But, I just yeah, think yeah, that's yeah. a really general uh, thing that you see a lot, and Xander is just one of the um, the things to come out of that. Where was I? Uh, oh, boy shows up. Boy talks to Buffy. Yeah, Xander doesn't like him. Continue. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Buffy and this guy seem to be really close, and that they never say that they were previously in a relationship. They joke about how Buffy used to have a crush on him when they were kids, um, but it mostly seems to be they're close in the same way that, that Xander and Willow grew up together. And then it's revealed that this fellow knows that Buffy is the Slayer. <gasps> yeah. Um, which is shocking. No one else has ever uh, known that. And she didn't tell him. He just figured it out. Um, yeah. But then it's revealed that he maybe isn't se- telling the entire truth. Um, they oh, Angel comes to Willow and asks Willow's help in researching this man. So they look him up and find out that he is sketch and has connections to this one club. So they all go to see the club and find out that this club is full of people who kind of worship vampires. Not in yep. an occult way, just in a super goth way. <laughs> uh, they think vampire. They like romanticize vampires in a, in a Tumblr fangirl kind of way. Oh yeah, exactly <laughs> so. Um, and he's one of them. And basically, it comes down to it that this guy uh, finds out how to contact Spike and says, "I will deliver the Slayer to you if you turn me into a vampire." And he convinces all his friends that all of them will be turned into vampires. So they um they get Buffy. It's actually kind of a clever trap that he kind of lets her discover that he's bad, knowing that she will track him down, and then she'll be on his turf because she's tracking him down to this trap they've set. Um, Mm -hmm. They trap Buffy, and Buffy tries to convince him, you know, uh, to let her go because she and he both know that the rest of this club that likes vampires, they're not going to get their wish of turning into a vampire. They're just going to get eaten. No. And that's when he reveals that he's doing all of this because he has terminal brain cancer and thinks that becoming undead will, you know, uh, help him avoid going into the terminal stages of this cancer. Cool motive, still murder. Exactly. There, there. I really actually quite liked this scene in which Buffy basically says, I feel sorry for you, cool motive, still murder. I, it was really well written. It's really well done. I'm really glad they included it. Vampires come in, start eating everybody. Buffy, very cleverly, holds Drusilla hostage against Spike and forces the vampires to let everyone, including her, go. Except the boy who tricked her, who she knocked out in a fight. Um, Let's see. It ends with them recovering his body and burying him. And then a really nice scene between Buffy and Giles in which it's briefly revealed that this guy did get his wish of becoming a vampire, comes out of the grave only to be uh, summarily slain, and 
Did I miss anything? Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not super mm-hmm. good at telling these stories. No, it's okay. I mean, you'll only get better with practice, so. I just feel like I have to include all of the mo- details I want to comment on later, you know? Yeah, I, but... I think that's a good way to do it. To okay. start us off on this episode, um, Buffy's and Angel's relationship is kind of whack. It's very whack. It is real whack. Because, yeah. like, they're not... They are dating, but they are not dating. I mean, I that's realize... every TV show ever, though. Yeah, I guess. But, like, it's... They have a lot of issues in this relationship that is not a relationship. Because, like... Agreed. Buffy sees Angel talking to Drusilla. Not even, like... He's not even hugging her. They're not even holding hands. And she's she is uncomfortable by that. She is jealous. She is yeah. She doesn't trust Angel to even talk to a woman that she hasn't seen before. Which like, hey Buffy, hey Buffy, that's like that's not an okay thing to have about like that's not an okay opinion to have about your partner. I completely agree. I found it really weird how because so what happens? She confronts him, says, "What did you do last night?" And he lies. Yeah, which that's not good. And if she had been. F- fine about it and then he lied and she got all bled because he was lying fine but she's super uncomfortable just witnessing this mm-hmm. um yeah that that is weird yeah and then and like we've already seen a couple instances before where buffy tries to make uh xander not xander make angel jealous with xander one time and then i think she, and she's doing the exact same thing here again while they're at the bronze she oh, yeah angel runs into him and her and uh what's what's ford. the kid's name ford stupid name um runs into ford and buffy takes off with ford being like oh well if you don't want to talk about it, if you're gonna lie to me i'm gonna leave Ugh. yeah Which, like Buffy, I know you're 15, but could you stop acting like it? Buffy Ugh. constantly tries to make Angel jealous, and Angel yeah. is jealous. What did you- He is jealous, and he's told her, he's he has expressed that, like, I am attracted to you. Like, I know there's problems with it, but I am still into you. And, like, yes. but she still, she needs that constant reassurance. She she keeps having to get it over and over, or the writers keep giving it to her over and over well, and over again. I think it's actually interesting. Let's talk about, there's a couple other scenes that are about her and Angel's relationship. Number one, the scene where Angel comes and talks to Willow, in which she says, yeah. yes, I am the jealous, I am jealous, I realize that, but I'm doing this out of concern for her. Um, which mm-hmm. I thought found sounded actually really genuine. I liked Angel in that scene a lot. Yeah, I think Angel is way more secure in this relationship than Buffy is. Well, is the second cause... scene I wanted to mention was him actually asking her, do you love me? Oh, Lord. Okay, sorry. Say your thing, and then I'll describe that scene. No, go ahead, because I don't remember that scene. Well, the next scene, uh, Angel comes to Buffy's house, and um, they have this nice little thing where he asks to be invited in, and she's like, haven't I already invited you? And he's like, I know. I was being polite. Oh, okay. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. and then he sits her down, and she's... Oh, that's what it is. She asks, who is Drusilla? And so it's kind of like a, I know that you are lying. Tell me about Mm -hmm. this other woman. And instead, he just says, do you love me? And it takes her a little bit, but eventually she says, I love you. I'm not sure that I trust you. Yeah, okay. Um, That's what love is, Mm. Buffy. If you cannot trust the person, you do not love them. You, You are in lust with them. Yeah, I'm attracted to you. 
I'm not sure that I trust you. Like, ooh, that's, yeah, I completely agree. The use of love there is really weird. This whole episode for Buffy is about not being able to trust people because Mm -hmm. Angel lies to her at the beginning and then Angel, Xander, and Willow do some stuff snooping on her friend without telling her and then her friend betrays her. So there's there's a lot about... Buffy not knowing who to trust in this episode. But yeah, that line, do you love me? I love you, but I'm not sure that I trust you. What do we think? I think that's, I think it's, it looks poetic on the Mm -hmm. surface, but when you actually like look at it, like in terms of how relationships work Mm -hmm. is bullshit. Like if you can't trust somebody, then you can't be in a relationship with them. Period. I think that's legit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's completely legit that if, if Buffy loved Angel, she wouldn't fear him betraying her constantly. She would trust him that, you know? Which I suppose, like, maybe is part of the the bedrock issue with their relationship is that he is a vampire, Mm -hmm. she is the slayer. I mean, that's always been the problem. Yeah, they're they're star-crossed lovers from the beginning. Like, it's it's hard, because, like, the TV show wants us to want them to be together, but the TV show made it so that they can't be together. Yeah, yeah. Like... That is my least favorite trope in mm-hmm. romantic writing, romantic plots whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It's like, like, I know you need to build drama somewhere, but like, hey, there's other drama that comes in relationships outside of like, oh, we want to be together, but we, we can't. can't. It's because or everyone thinks that Romeo and Juliet is a romantic work. It's not, by the way. It's not. It's super not. It's not. But yeah. Please stop saying it is. Yeah. I just... I don't, since we started talking about this, about, like, Leslie and Ben, like, mm-hmm. their relationship, like, there's a lot of plot that happens surrounding their relationship, but, like, it's only never a, a trust little problem. tiny bit of it is about, we want to be together, but we shouldn't be. Like, yeah. then they get together, and, and they, they have to resolved. deal with their lives of being together, and then yes. being together, they, like, deal with getting married and having kids, and, like, there's so much to being in a fully formed emotionally mature relationship there's so much story that happens there that you never ever ever see in tv shows yes and i think some of that is because um most tv shows star people like buffy who are young and in high school and stupid but i completely agree listeners if you haven't yet you obviously know that Parks and Rec is Caitlin's favorite TV show and you need to mm-hmm. watch it immediately. Yeah. So yeah. do you like, Rissa, did you like any specific characters in this oh my episode? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I, have a couple things that I really liked about this episode. It, it felt like it was just kind of an expected episode. Like as mm. soon as you get a town that has these vampires, you kind of just expect that there's going to be somebody who totally thinks they know about vampires and romanticizes it, you know? Um, yeah. So that was just really fun. But honestly, I I love how much this episode shows my two favorite characters, Giles and Willow. <laughs> <laughs> they both yeah. have some really fantastic content in here. I really liked the scene where Angel and Willow talk and Willow's so nervous about the fact that there's a boy in my bedroom <laughs> I know, and she's so like oh but what if my mom finds out that you're oh I, you want me to lie oh I can't lie and she's just so good and cute she she's so refreshingly normal like that's yes. a normal girl concern be like I, a bo- I'm not allowed to have boys in my room like yeah that's that's a thing we can all relate to it's so like, cute oh she's precious I love her 
Yes. Um, and then I really loved Giles' content in this episode as well. Mm. Um, there's not as much of it, um, but what there is is really, really good. And, okay, here's a thing that I noticed, um, because, okay, listeners, if you've listened from the beginning, you know that we had to re-record an episode a while back. <laughs> Yeah, that was like seven episodes ago. Yeah, <laughs> even well, though for us it was only a couple days ago because we time traveled into the future. Okay, yeah, we're back in the future now. And uh, so, but anyway, to make story short, we just rewatched Never Kill a Boy on the First Date, which is season one, episode five, I think. Yeah. And in that episode, Giles is like, Buffy, you can't have a date because you have a secret identity. And then in this one, one, oh, and he's also like, you have responsibilities. You can't take time off. And in this one, Giles is like, Buffy, why don't you take the night off? Ooh, maybe you could go talk to Angel. And I'm just like, oh, my Giles has grown up so much. And then also in this one, he learns that Ford knows about Buffy being a slayer. And he's just like, I'm I'm sorry. You haven't been telling people your secret identity to impress cute boys, right? (laughs) And I just really love Giles. Um, I mean, in general, but I, I really liked the role he took in this episode. It wasn't big, but it was just such a supporting. A lot of times Giles becomes the kind of almost nagging character like he was in never kill a boy on the first date and this one giles is is legit just a strong adult support character um and then can we talk about the ending oh yeah definitely please tell me about the ending because there's a lot to talk about the ending but yes in the end he has this wonderful little speech that i think just goes so well with the episode um so buffy is talking about how she doesn't know who to trust and uh she just she's having such a hard time and he says maybe that's what growing up is and she asks Mm. does it get easier does growing up does life get easier and he says no what do you want me to say and she title drops lie to me hey they said the thing so giles has this wonderful speech about um oh yes life is terribly simple the good guys always win and the bad guys are easily identified and nobody ever dies and everyone is happy in the end and and life is so simple because the good guys always win and it works so well uh not only in contrast to the story we've just been told in which someone who had you know a really terribly but good motivation of you know like he thinks he's dying and he's trying to avert it a friend Mm. betrays her and all this other terrible stuff but it also works because one of the things i i didn't talk about in the episode summary is that ford has this weird obsession with films not in a specific like not an obsession with a specific film but he's that kind of person who like plans out things and sees them in his head and like Mm -hmm. it has to be just as dramatic as it would be in a movie he at one point makes spike say the words uh you have 30 seconds to live to convince me why i shouldn't kill you um because he wants to hear that because that's how he envisioned it in his head um and so having this contrast of him having all these ideas about how life should be 
and then using that terribly to betray Buffy and almost get a ton of people killed. And then Giles presenting this kind of, yes, the good guys always win and we all know who the bad guys are and nobody ever dies, I think just worked super duper well uh, to kind of reinforce this point of like, whether the stories are good stories or bad stories, the stories we have in our heads, the way we think life ought to be, does not line up with the way that it is, and we can't act as if it does. Yeah. Um, so I just really liked how that fit in thematically. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a sucker for themes. Mm, yes, I love a good theme. Mm, seduce me with a good theme. Mm. So yeah, good job. Good job, Giles. I love you. And um, yeah. yeah, this was just a, a really well-rounded episode in my mind. Yeah. This was, it was a really good episode. Honestly, like as I teased in last week's episode of our podcast that this week would be talking about euthanasia because that's kind of Mm. what the, what the Mm -hmm. episode is about is essentially at the heart of it is about person's right to choose slash right to die, which is like with the way medical science, for those of you who may not know what this is, um, the way medical science has proceeded, we are able to keep people alive where they might personally consider to be their quality of life less than. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, and if, so it's essentially a question if, if a person knows that they are going to die or knows that they cannot have the life that they want to have, do they have the right to take themselves off of life-sustaining support machines to ask, um, anyway. Uh, so for this character for Ford, he had this brain cancer and he essentially said that, yes, I have this right to choose and I am choosing immortality mm-hmm. <laughs> instead is what he's choosing. And like, and he's, he is also choosing to let a ton of other people die. So there's, yes. That. Yeah. That, 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 yeah. Um, and so, oh, where was it going? I got distracted. I'm sorry. Um, he chooses he chooses immortality, mm-hmm. um, which this is, I feel like this is another another um, instance of Buffy asking these hard questions, but then using a supernatural twist to provide an easy answer. Yes. I think that's most of what Buffy does these days. Yeah. I think that's a lot of the, it's like what Buffy's team wants to do with their show is that like, yeah, and it's not bad. Intrinsically not bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's not, it's not intrinsically bad. Um, Yeah, no, I think, I think this is probably one of the better executions of what they were trying to do. I completely agree. Because nobody got assaulted. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, so, I mean, people got hurt, but nobody we knew, so we're fine. <laughs> wow, we have a low bar, huh? There wasn't a rape scene. This is improving. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, like, I, I think it's really, I think it's there to be lauded, the, the Buffy team, uh, to yeah. even dare to ask this question of, like, hey, does this person have this right to, does he have the right to choose vampirism? Yeah. Technically. I kind of thought the same thing of if we had this same exact episode, except Buffy was able to extract all of the honest to God, innocent humans who were about to become food. And Mm -hmm. she was trapped in the basement with just Ford. How would this conversation have gone then? Yeah. Like if he, if he never made the innocence part of the deal, if it was just like, hey, Spike, you can eat me. But then you must turn me into a vampire. And she just walked into that scene as is. Like, yes. Damn. <laughs> Man. Yeah, because I think that would have been a much more interesting conversation. Because as it is, Buffy has this big, like, you know, you. It, 
it's almost as if Buffy could have said, you can make that choice for you, but you can't make it for these guys by lying to them. Mm, yeah, um, which is a fair point. <laughs> I, which, yeah, she doesn't explicitly make that point, but I think that's the point she could have made. Uh, but then the question is, can he make that choice for him? And it, it's really interesting you bring this up. Um, all of my free time, which has not been spent watching Buffy of uh, this week, has been spent playing a video game called Horizon Zero Dawn. And in that game, the topic of um, chosen euthanasia comes up a lot. Um, I don't want to spoil anything for that game in case any listener would be upset by that. But basically, you discover that there was an event in history that it's like there was a ton of people who knew for a fact they were going to die violent deaths. For sure. And so they were all given the option of medical euthanasia. And it's it's mm-hmm. it's interesting how much this has kind of come up to me recently. And in that game, it's very, like, they they do show people having different opinions about it. Um, but it's yeah. it's such a complex issue in the real world. Like, it really is. My first, my first brush in with this was when I was in a junior in high school. Mm-hmm. I was... I was part of competitive public speaking. Uh, not um, surprised so, I knew that, but <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, for a dramatic interp that I did, my mom gave me a, a play that she actually did when she was in high school okay. called "Whose Life Is It Anyway," which oh, is about a, a quadriplegic man and his like. It's all it's all about his court case about him trying to sue the hospital for his right to be taken off of the life-sustaining machines that keep him alive because wow. I mean like I'm 17 years old and I'm reading this play and I'm like oh wh- what what <laughs> it was because because I mean this the play came out 40 years ago so spoiler alert um mm-hmm. he he wins in the end and the last scene of the show is the nurse who like he kind of has this like building personal relationship throughout the whole show mm-hmm. of like the nurse turns off the machines and it's like you know you'll you'll pass out here in a couple hours and then you'll be gone by the morning he said mm-hmm. he thanks her the last thing he does like mm-hmm. so like that show makes an obvious like this is i mean that character he gets what he wants and that's what he chooses yes but yeah it's yeah this it's, comes up in the really, game life is strange as well yeah it really fascinates me this question honestly because like i've experienced it also in my personal life because like my grandparents all had um do not revive uh Ooh, wills dang. written um, and then I think my parents have had that written as well. So like, I'm kind of, I've, I've had several deaths in my family recently. And so just kind of thinking about what do I want the end of my life to look like? Mm. What should it look like for me? And like, it's, it's, it's a hard question to ask yourself really. For real. Like, uh, and I mean, we, we could discuss it more if you want. No, I think. I think here is good because okay. I think if we go further in, we'll have to make the rest of the episode this and we have a whole other episode to talk about. Yeah. Uh, no, I completely agree. But yeah, yeah, I think you're right that this was... It's interesting. It's interesting how often it comes out to be the villain did it because the villain was dying. Uh, that seems... And, and And when I first heard that in this episode, I thought, oh no, this is going to be a real cheap... Uh, the villain is dying. Of course the villain is dying. The villain is always dying. That's yeah. so many villains' re- uh, rationales. Uh, but ha- they handle the scene so well, especially with Buffy's reaction. Um, and then your comments as well have kind of made me rethink how cheap I find this motivation in villains uh, when it's handled this well. 
Yeah, this was a really good villain. He was a good villain because he wasn't a villain. Spider-Man Homecoming is probably the best, is one of the best Marvel movies because the villain in that movie was not a villain. Like he was a villain, but like, it's very, very rare that I walk into a movie and I'm like watching the villain do the things he's doing. He's like, you know what? I get it. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) I get it. That's really what makes a good villain is that like, I I really enjoy the villains that are just like two steps beyond a hero. Like like Killmonger in Black Panther was exactly that too. Yes, he was I like, agree. I get what you're saying, and you are right. Mm-hmm. You just have taken it too far, and it's... And that's mm. exactly what I felt for this guy. I get what you're saying, that you're right. Your only mistake here, besides betraying Buffy, is yeah, was... including this um, crowd of innocence, which yeah. wasn't to... It didn't seem to be part of his deal with Spike, so that seemed extraneous in his plans, and I don't... I think like... maybe they added it in to be like okay, this is a little too morally gray. We are on yeah, the CW to after make all. It more morally make him badder. Make him gray. eviler. Yeah. <laughs> make him something that people can point to and be like, no, actually, he was in the wrong. Yeah. Because so, otherwise, Buffy kind of comes out looking bad. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. If those innocents, if those innocents are what motivate Buffy. And you can see that in the script, that sh- her whole goal in that scene is to get these people out of here. Let these people go. Get these people out of here. You can't keep mm-hmm. them here. Everybody, you guys have to leave. Uh, and I think it was well pointed out that that's her motivation, as opposed to either saving her own skin or making sure that this guy doesn't become a vampire type thing. It was interesting to me that she never tries the whole, you know if you become a vampire, I have to kill you. Um, and I'm almost wondering if it's because she is in a relationship with Angel. Because Buffy seems to have this moral, like, responsibility to slay all vampires that are not Angel. Yeah, I just thought it was kind of interesting. Especially because it turns out in the end, Ford does become a vampire, and she slays him, like, as he is rising from the grave. um, Without a second thought. Uh, Because it's kind of implied that this man could not have been a good, friendly vampire like Angel is. He was obviously evil. Um, And I mean... A baddie. Yeah, but it's interesting the contrast again between Ford and Angel. Uh, if if we take them both as vampires, anyway, yeah. this was a really good episode with a really good moral and really good themes and really good characters and a really enjoyable plot and it was just good. Yeah, it was. It was a lot of fun. I really liked it. It might be my favorite Buffy episode so far. Ooh, I know. I know what my favorite episode is, and it's every it's a lot of people's favorite episode actually. Um, is it the musical episode? <laughs> It is not the musical episode. Uh, I didn't think it would be. Season four, excuse. Is it in, it's um, in which season? Season four. Oh, dang. I've got a lot to look forward to, huh? Yeah. Okay. Um. So let's uh, let's move on to the next episode. Yeah, let's talk about the Dark old. Age. I was yeah, so excited so, about this episode. Um. So in the Dark Age, it is a Giles-centered episode. Yay! We, yay! We, I was uh, so excited. I love Giles so much. <laughs> We start the episode by seeing a man who is asking around for Giles be murdered in cold blood mm-hmm. by a woman that he knows by the name of Deirdre. And who then melts. Yeah, I was about to say that. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is my part of the show, Rizzo. We discussed this. <laughs> um, yeah, and then she turns into a bunch of blue goo. Um, and so we, we, meet, we meet up with our heroes again of Giles and Jenny, or Miss Calendar, being very flirty and very cute with each other. Mm. Um, they are apparently going to do the diddly soon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but then Giles is called away when he runs into some police detectives in the library who want him to come identify a body. Um, and it recognizes it, it's it as an old pal named Philip. Um, and it turns out, and so Giles handles it kind of badly. Um, but he pushes Buffy away. He starts drinking, which <laughs> evil. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like his friend died. Okay, he's gonna have a drink. Like there are worse evils in the world. But anyway, um, so so the kids and Miss Calendar are really kept out of the loop of what's happening for the majority of this episode um, until they finally until Cordelia finally mentions that oh hey. Um, Giles was talking to some homicide detectives. It's fine. Um, it turns out that in his wild, youthful days, Giles <laughs> summoned a demon with some friends for a high. Of course he for, did. Yeah, for a high. And now the demon is trying to kill all of him and his buddies one by one. Um, he has succeeded with three of them. There are two to go. Giles and then Ethan Rain, who we might all remember from the Halloween episode. So the demon ends up inhabiting Miss Calendar through a series of hijinks. And so Miss Calendar then has a run-in with Giles where she almost kills him, but then uh, she leaves without actually doing the thing, which doesn't make sense, really, when you think about it. I mean, Buffy um, kind of shows up. Yeah, I guess Bu- I guess maybe he's looking for an easier target. Um, and so then it goes after Ethan Rain, but then Ethan Rain kidnaps Buffy and tattoos her with the mark of the demon, uh, sort of initiating Buffy into the group of... Um, the same group that Giles was in and that the demon will then try to kill her. Um, but then they manage to save the day by pushing the demon into Angel. And Angel already has a demon in him and then uh, whatever, the demon's defeated. Um, but at the end of the episode, Ethan Rain has run away again. Buffy now has a tattoo on her back that she has to get removed, uh, which, like, no amount of allowance money is going to pay for laser uh, removal. Uh, yeah. And then, unfortunately, the major... Uh, casualty in this episode is giles and jenny's relationship no at the end she is i mean understandably she's kind of shaken by what happened to her i can't imagine being possessed by a demon is a very fun experience um but yeah they he he kind of he's like can i help you at all and like reaches out to touch her arm and she she jolts away and um yeah that was a big old bummer but that was light but we did get to learn some more new stuff about Giles um and and Buffy got to see him in a new light which is kind of how the episode wraps up yeah yeah so uh but yeah we got to learn a whole new stuff about Giles which was super super interesting yeah so as soon as as soon as this started and there was a guy looking for Giles I was like we finally get to learn about Giles and the people he knows (laughs) tell us about Ripper tell us oh my gosh I was so excited um <laughs> and we I noticed we got to see the inside of Giles' house for the first time. Yes, that uh, set actually stays. Oh good. Like, I was like, oh hey, they actually had the same set, which is I didn't expect it to yeah. be the same set, honestly. Because um, it's a while till we see it next. <laughs> yeah, so uh so we see the inside of Giles' house. Which can I just make a small comment? Why does yes. Giles not have a sink? He washes his face in a bowl of water with a pitcher, like some kind of pre-indoor plumbing household. Giles, I know you like old things, but get a fucking sink. (laughs) Maybe he has it in his bedroom. He has like, you know, he has has a bathroom and a kitchen, whatever. Why does he have a bowl of water and a pitcher? (laughs) This is America, Giles. (laughs) 
I mean, I have okay, one. Sorry, I don't know that about was just you. a weird. I noticed it in the background, like, oh, he has this thing, and then he actually used it, and I was like, what? <laughs> that wasn't a decoration. <laughs> this is no, a functional, is a functional piece. piece. <laughs> okay, uh, so that was just funny because I, I yeah. think, again, the way they kind of characterize. Um, Magic, but in this case also Giles is kind of old stuff. Um without really yeah. without not even a certain age of old stuff, just old old stuff, pre-modern things. Um so that was kind of funny. But yeah, okay. Let me just I, I wanna go into the stuff we learn about Giles and my many, many, many questions about the stuff we <laughs> learn about Giles. Okay, so we know from a previous episode that Giles learned from his father at the age of 10, that he was destined to be a Watcher. Yeah. So my question is, why would a Watcher get involved in this kind of shit? And then at one point, he says, basically at one point, there's this question of, does Giles, oh, that's what it is, that's what it is. Uh, Xander makes this offhand comment to Willow, like, you could be a Watcher. And I just thought, could she? Like, is that a choice? Does Giles have a choice? Did he choose this at all? And if he did, why did he ever behave this way? Was this like some kind of rebellious, I don't want to be a watcher anymore. I'm going to do demon things. <laughs> uh, or like, does this completely clash with some of the other stuff we already knew about him? No, I think it fits in. Um, I think being a watcher for Giles' family is, it's kind of inherited through his family out of mm-hmm. the family's choice. Like in the way that like, oh, my father's a doctor and my grandfather was a doctor, so I have to be a doctor kind of thing. Okay. But then other people can elect to be doctors if they want to. Right, of course. Okay, that like makes just, sense. Just basing on what they've told us so far and what I remember of the Watcher organization is that that's how it works. Is that okay. it's so not technically Willow inherited. could become a Watcher if she wanted to. Yeah, she could, I think. Okay. Well, and Giles could have technically elected not to, but I think... Having this, and maybe for a time he did, he rebelled. Like, he was still kind of like one foot in, one foot out. And mm-hmm. then having this, while having his one foot out, having this experience with his friends were like, mm-hmm. they summoned a demon and a friend died because of it. Mm-hmm. I think that made him jump all the way in. I think you're probably right. And it's um, I almost wonder if, well, it's really funny because Giles has always been this kind of anti-fun. Like, I think Buffy has a line in this, go experience this thing called fun. Uh, and then you find out that he has experience with this, like, pleasure demon and orgies and stuff. And it's yeah. like, maybe there's a reason he extracts himself from all fun. Yeah, like, you're like, ooh, I had I had too much fun. I yeah. had too much fun, now I have to stop. I love the idea of getting a look into someone's past, which is totally foreign, though. Um, which, can I just comment? Giles please, please do. talks about being 21 and going to Oxford. That means he was in his undergraduate degree. Mm-hmm. And then he dropped out and went to London. Meaning that I have a higher degree from Oxford University than Giles does. Well done. <laughs> well done. I'm very proud you of myself. You are so much more educated than Giles. So much. <laughs> I could be a watcher. Yeah, you could. You totally could. Thank you. I do think it's very fun that, like, now that we know this little bit about Giles' backstory, mm-hmm. I think if I have the decades right and Giles' approximate age right, that would put him part of, like, the English punk scene. Oh, yeah. Which is, is very amazing. delightful. And now I kind of want 
Giles and Spike to be buddies and just like that would be amazing. Remember that one bit? Oh yeah, I was there. I was there too. And be that like, would be did hilarious. you kill somebody there? Yes, of course I did. <laughs> it's funny that you bring up you bring that up because uh, one of the things that hit me about this episode. Do you know what the TV show Endeavor is? No. Okay, so there's this series of TV shows that are shot in Oxford and set in Oxford, and they're detective stories. And Endeavor is the prequel that's set in the 60s. They still film. I actually got to, like, watch them film a couple episodes. And it's really cool, because you turn around the turner and suddenly everything's 60s. 60s cars and 60s costumes, and it's cool. That's fun. Yeah, it's awesome. But um, the plot of this episode reminded me so much of a plot from Endeavor. If Mm -hmm. you just replace demon position with drugs and getting high if you just do that a lot of this stuff that they say about giles is is a lot like one of an an endeavor episode and that just to me makes me think like people actually did this this is a thing like so i think setting it in like identifying that as like the punk scene and stuff i think totally Mm -hmm. works and i would love to see more of that spoiler alert you do a little bit yes well okay here's the other thing in this episode Anthony Head finally gets to act. Yeah, yeah, like, we do. We get to see him. He gets him. to be a character and not just... <laughs> like, I, I love Giles, and I love how Anthony has done so far, but he really gets to act in this episode, and it was really great to yeah. see. Because he's a good actor. He's like, such a good actor. Like, getting Anthony Head on this show was a good get. Like, oh, dang. Yeah. <laughs> dang. Yeah, like, really good. So speaking of, like, demons and Oxford and things, first I have a very important question for Uh-oh. you, and you must answer truthfully. Okay. Did you or did you not summon any demons during your time at Oxford? I did not. I also received no tattoos. Uh, I did not do any drugs. What? I did what? drink alcohol. <gasps> <gasps> yeah, which as we know is the southern baptist version of drugs hard drugs <laughs> <laughs> well it's certainly not the anglican version of drugs so <laughs> no i did not summon any demons in my time at oxford i also didn't drop out so there's that giles yeah so great good job thank you <laughs> uh yeah i survived the uh the raucous halls of oxford although i'll be frank i mm-hmm. really want to know how rich giles family is because there really are stories of rich young male oxford students getting together with all of their chums and doing some really terrible things um yeah the richer the more terrible and a lot of those people are in parliament yeah that that was one of the jokes at, at oxford is if you're in the ppe sorry the the politics philosophy and economics degree uh, look mm-hmm. around the room because these like these people will be in par- parliament one day. Damn. Um, yeah, I had a friend who said she wanted to do h- half of her degree PPE and then switch to journalism just because of all the blackmail she'd know. Uh, <laughs> that is so smart. Did she do that? I don't know. Oh. But uh, if you're out no. there, Rissa's friend, please tell us if you did or not because yeah. I I'm dying to know. <laughs> I will, uh, let's make a movie, man. <laughs> but no, I did not summon any demons while at Oxford. Um, okay. Which, you know, thank God. Well, speaking of things that you didn't do, I have another installment of a thing that Caitlin will not do. And it's very simple. It's Caitlin's not going to summon any demons. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Caitlin, yeah. Same. Ca- same. Totally yeah, same. Like, yes. Also, because like they, they sort of shape it as like they're summoning demons to get a high and get a mm-hmm. rush. And I'm like, 
uh, Kaylin's not interested in summoning any demons. Nope. Also, like, be by way of the way they've made this allegory, essentially, Caitlin's really not interested in doing hard drugs. Yep, same. Um, not interested. I'm, I'm perfectly fine. Just like you know, say no to drugs, kids. Like just eat, eat, eat it. Like, hey, hey, you know what can give you a rush? Mm-hmm. Eating, eating a cake. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know they have cakes Seeing at Walmart a dog. right now, and you can go buy them interacting with a dog will make me feel happy so we just got that um yeah no but that it brings up something interesting the idea that this was on purpose and and made you feel good uh that is not what it looked like for jenny and i wondered if the metaphor held that does jenny feel like she was on a really bad drug trip does she remember anything does she remember anything with giles um Mm. Because, mm. yeah, let's just at least briefly talk about that scene. Yeah, that in was, which that was gross. Before Giles is completely aware that this is a demon inside of Jenny, she, uh, they've both had some drinks. She attempts mm-hmm. very hard to seduce him, and he keeps saying she, no. She says the phrase to him, I wrote it down because it was nasty. She says, or you could take advantage of me in my weakened state. Like, um, hey, Josh. Hey, Josh. 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 Dirty talk does not have to involve rape. Yeah, Josh. Cool. Yeah, Josh. Come on, Josh. Yeah. So then she, like, forces him to sit down and sits on his lap and kisses him. And he says, it's not right. I would be taking advantage and pushes her off. And that's when she reveals that she's, like, a demon. And I, well, this is why I brought this up. I wanted to discuss this. Sorry, Sorry, I didn't bring this up earlier. They change her voice. Yeah, they do. After that, they change her voice. And I wondered why. Because we all know it's a demon talking. And the only thing I could come up with is they don't actually want to besmirch Jenny's image any more than they have to. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I thought that was really really clear. This is not her. It's this not is not her. Jenny. This is not Jenny. Yeah. Because I think yeah. it would have actually been significantly more traumatic if they had kept Jenny's voice the same. Yeah, it would have. It, it would have been way spoopier. Too spoopy. I just thought that was a really interesting choice that they did. I also, um, let's see. Willow saved the day in this one. That was fun. Um, this whole episode wraps up with, uh, like, as I said, that Buffy sees uh, Giles in a new light. She says that, she says to him, it's like, I always saw you as such a grown-up, but now I see you as, like, a person. And, like, that is, that's, like, that's, like, the big secret of growing up that no one oh, ever yeah. tells you is that you realize that grown-ups are not actually grown-ups. They're just people. It's who so are weird. Exactly as dumb as you are. Yes. <laughs> and nobody really knows what they're doing, which is wild. Nobody it's knows what insane. they're doing. People are running the world, and they have no idea what they're doing. Yeah, we can point to a few. Um, yeah. <laughs> But no, I thought that was really interesting, especially, I mean, I work as a substitute teacher, so some of the kids I interact with have no idea that I am a person and not just a, a teacher. Um, and I'm not, I'm not that much older than them, so I can't imagine what they think of the older teachers, you know? Mm. So yeah, I thought this point was really, really well made and really good. Yeah, just like growing up and realizing that like, oh, my parents are people, they're not grown-ups, mm-hmm. and they have their own issues and their own problems and mm-hmm. we won't see eye to eye on things and like huh like i'm not a grown-up i'm a person <laughs> yeah 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 I, I don't need an i need an adultier adult yes yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think giles needed an adultier adult here 
Yeah, it was Willow. I mean, <laughs> it uh, was Willow. Yeah, yeah. Willow ended up saving the day. God, that moment when like Cordy and, Zan- and Xander were really going at it at each other, and Willow gets up and be like, "Either you two shut up or you leave my library." I was yes. like, "Yay, Willow!" Yay, Willow. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm so proud of you, baby. You're doing amazing, sweetie. <laughs> I yeah, I really liked how much Willow got to help in both of these, and then mm-hmm. so I think several things kind of tie these episodes together, and one of them is the really wonderful banter that ends each episode between Giles and Buffy. So I really appreciated that. Yeah. It's very witty. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah, like, I have I have music. You're like, it's not music. It's just noiseless sounds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then just even his his banter it. of the, like, it's, she says that really great line about, turns out you're a person, and he just goes, most grown-ups actually are. <laughs> not all, just most. Most. Yeah. So the, really, yeah. the only the only disappointing thing about this whole thing is I really like Jenny and Giles as a couple, and it's super sad to see Jenny yeah. shaken like this. Which I mean, mm-hmm. I would be. I think it's it's really oh, yeah. the it, fact that he summoned this demon on purpose, and she suddenly mm-hmm. has to see him as a man who once summoned the, this demon on purpose. Yeah. It's really different, it, I think, than the say the hyena episode. Yeah. It it makes sense why they did it, even if it's still like kind of disappointing yeah i think it makes complete sense and i really want to see what happens next i'm really hoping that calendar doesn't just drop off the face of the earth yeah tell me jenny comes back caitlin she is in some more episodes good oh i like her and i like her and giles yeah um we have yeah i i was looking at what we have coming up next we have a two-parter next week which is fun Um, and it's kind of a big deal one. Okay. Yeah, we have some really fun stuff coming up. And then we, and, which will kind of set up the intro for probably the fandom's favorite character. Like, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer fandom exists, and I've bumped into it occasionally. And we have not yet met the character that they like the most. Really? Yes. Interesting. I I knew we had a lot of characters yet to meet. But mm-hmm. I didn't think that there was going to be another big main continuing character introduced this season. Yeah, we got a couple, actually, that are Interesting. waiting in the wings. Yes! So, yeah, we have fun things in store. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so I'd like to thank the Bedlam Bards for letting us borrow their song, Ballad of Joss, from their album On the Drift, to use as our theme song. Thank you so much. You guys, you're amazing and wonderful. And everyone should go listen to that album. It's on Spotify and it's on iTunes and it's super fun. Um, and if you want to keep hanging out with us as we get through Buffy and then eventually get to Firefly, you can maybe like subscribe to the podcast and like maybe leave us a rate or a review. Um, special shout out to, uh, my roommate, Natalie. We love you, Natalie. Natalie. She's amazing. And she left us our first review. Yay! Thank you, Natalie. We love you. Yeah, she also tweeted about us, so if you want to be a Gold Star member like Natalie, you should follow us on Twitter at WFTC Podcast, and it is that same hashtag, hashtag WFTC Nice. If you want to tell your friends. Our cool radio station name. Yeah, WFTC. Marissa, thanks so much for coming. Thank you, Caitlin. This was really, really good. I, I super enjoyed these episodes, and I can't wait for next time. Yeah, and... For the rest of you, remember to seize the moment, because tomorrow you could be dead. And I'm going to go drink another gallon of lemonade. Bye! Bye!